This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. KB Boyce is today's guest. He's been playing music since the 70s in elementary school. In fact, that's the main focus of our discussion. KB sang and played bass for the New York City-based punk band Nasty Facts. Their only release was a three-song EP called Drive My Car that came out when they were in high school. The band was together for eight years and broke up so they could go to college. That blows my mind. They were playing in clubs when some members hadn't even reached their teens. They opened for legends like the Bad Brains, played venues like CBGB's and Max's Kansas City. KB and I go pretty deep into the band's history, like what their original idea for a band name was, which probably wouldn't fly by today's standards, and what instrument KB started on. Also, how another band's disc got them writing original music. For a lot of people, that EP was special. So, it's being re-released. KB talks about how the reissue came to be and what he's been doing since the breakup of Nasty Facts. So check out KB at The Homobiles on Instagram, Nasty Facts on Facebook, or go to QueerRebels.org. And you can follow us at Performance ANX on social media. Reach out there or the Performance Anxiety Pod at gmail.com. PerformanceAnxiety.threadless.com is where you can go to get our merch, which was designed by Mark Dancy. KO-FI.com slash performance anxiety is where you can send us a cup of coffee. Now let's get just a little bit nasty with KB Boyce of Nasty Facts on Performance Anxiety on Pantheon Podcasts. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right. Okay, great. Great. Hey, this is KB from Nasty Facts and the Homobiles, and I'm on Performance Anxiety, the podcast, and it's a good time. Thanks. Yeah, one take, one day. No, no, no problem. No problem. What you need? I got it. <laughs> Story of my life. No shit. How's your day going? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's convincing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's put it this way. It could have been worse. Ah, so, there you go. Right. So how's your day going? Not too bad. I, I actually had a, a gig last night, so I I had today off. Of, I I just tried to chill, and uh, you know, it can't complain. I really can't complain. Life's treating me pretty good. Good. Oh, I'm glad to hear it. So I usually like to start off by finding out about my guests' history. Things like, you know, we're we're here to talk about uh, uh, the reissue of a, a really wild EP, but what got you to that point in the first place when what you, you were playing music you're from brooklyn what got you into music in the first place was it, it was was it a lot in the family or was it something that you grew up around friends right uh oh so we're starting now we can just oh yeah I we're can... going right into it very good uh good to know well thanks for having <laughs> me first of all <laughs> i love it i love it this is great I, uh, yeah, I'm from Brooklyn, um, and what started me in music is, yeah, my mom and my dad were both musicians before, in the earlier days before I was born, apparently, because I didn't find this out until I was a teenager. However, my mom, uh, who I grew up with, uh, you know, they were divorced, uh, but okay. uh, she was super supportive of anything I did that was musical, 
And I was blessed to have that in my life. But uh, I really had no idea that she had been a working musician before I was born. Wow. Um, yeah. So I, I, I'm, yeah, I, I come from that background. But then I wound up in this uh, little grade school where I met the guys who eventually we became Nasty Facts. Uh, we all went to grade school and high school together. Oh, okay. And uh, that's how we met. And uh, we were really, I swear to God, I'm one of the luckiest people you, you've never met. <laughs> I mean, so many things in my life, I've just uh, been in the right place, the right time type of situation. And um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, meeting up with the kids that became Nasty Facts is one of those situations, you know. But music played a, a big part in your life. Were you? Absolutely. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to have to edit this thing already. So, <laughs> Drink some water. Drink some I know. I left it in the other room. I'm going to call my kids. Tell me, come bring daddy some water. That's going to get edited out because I take that out of context. That's going to sound really weird. All right. <clears throat> so, yeah. <laughs> you had an, a very early exposure to theater, though, with your sister, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is true. I am. Um, my oldest sister, uh, rest in peace. We, we lost her not too long ago. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's, it's all good. Uh, she was a lot older than me. First of all, let me say she was 18 years older than me. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, different dad, you know, okay. situation. And, uh, she, when she was supposed to be babysitting for me would take me to rehearsal. She was a part of uh, in the 60s, she was a part of the new uh, Lafayette Theater in Harlem. Oh, cool. And actually, before that, she was with the uh, Negro Ensemble Company in Harlem. So oh, way wow. back, she was doing the thing. But anyway, she was supposed to be babysitting, and she'd bring me to rehearsals, <laughs> and I'd get to be like, she'd just like sit me backstage and say, okay, now stay out of trouble. Right. And she'd go off and do her thing, but I just loved exploring the theater and the backstage and trap doors and ropes and you know, sandbags. And I'm like, what's this crank thing? It's amazing. <laughs> I, I was a curious kid. And wow. so that was great. I kept myself occupied, you know, just love that. And uh, I've always been all about the theater since then. Not, not so much as an actor or anything. I never wanted to act. I, but I, wound up, you know, learning a lot about tech and uh, later in life oh. becoming an audio engineer. And now I actually have my own production company and we do live events. At least we did before COVID. Oh, where, yeah. Uh, we do a lot of stuff in a theater here in the Bay Area where I'm living these days. Oh, cool. Uh, so, yeah, since 2008, I've run a production company that I founded and it's all queer and trans artists of color. Uh, wow. we do, we do a lot of different types of live productions. I actually now have an internship, excuse me, a residency program where we kind of share the knowledge of how to run a production company, how to work in the arts world, oh, how wow. to write grants and keep your, your art flowing and getting paid. Oh, that art. is awesome. So, yeah, I feel pretty blessed in life. Life has treated me quite well. I was going to say, I think you're right about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. When did you actually start playing music? Because you played bass in the band Nasty Facts, right? That's, that's correct. I was the bassist, lead singer, and songwriter for Nasty Facts. But oh, wow. I, I, I started playing music, I, you know, I mean, I, my, there was a lot of singing in my household coming up and 
mom and sense. I would, yeah, you know, mom and I would play guess that tune kind of thing on the radio. You know, oh, the songs awesome. would come on, and we'd see who could guess what song it was fastest. Oh, know? that's so, great! Uh, I love music. I always have, but I started performing. Believe it or not, well, a lot of musicians say this too, but I started performing playing the recorder. I played the soprano and tenor recorder. I didn't know they had different ones. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you don't even know. (laughs) The school that I wound up going to, I played Baroque music. Baroque recorder. Crazy. Wow. uh, Yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, that was what started me out being on stage because we actually did performances uh, for school, you know. Right. But uh, in about, I say, I'd say seventh grade or so is when I got together with the guy, the kids from Nasty Facts. And uh, they were a cover band. I met them and they were a band called Pandemonium playing cover songs, you know, like uh, a lot of Kiss, a lot of Kiss songs, <laughs> and, you know, Queen. And we did a lot of, you know, we did some, we, we, it was fun, but we were a bunch of kids playing for a bunch of kids at parties, you know, yeah, playing everyone's favorite songs. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's how we started out, you know. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey everybody, I've got a great sponsor that I want to talk to you about. For a long time, I wondered if CBD was something that might benefit me, but I had no idea how to find out. I didn't know what products were available, what companies were reputable, and really even what questions to ask to get the answers I needed. That's why I'm so glad I found Pure Spectrum CBD. They helped me discover what CBD could do for me. They were awesome at determining what my needs were and they helped me find a starting point. I started with the tincture and the isolate, but there's also gummies, topicals, mints, and a lot more. Pure Spectrum not only has CBD products for wellness, they also have them for fitness and recovery. There's even CBD for your pets. The website has a ton of information 
and chat options are available. And all their products are third-party tested and the results are available right on their website. So go to PureSpectrumCBD.com to do your own research. And when you check out, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your order. Check them out on Instagram at PureSpectrumHemp and subscribe to their email list for sales, new products, and updates. PureSpectrum, refined phytocannabinoid wellness products for all lifestyles. Now, did, did you pick up bass for that or did you play bass before that? As a matter of fact, no, no. I, I had tried to play guitar. I wanted to play guitar when I was a little kid. And I, my mom tells this funny, used to tell a funny story about uh, me running into the kitchen with like this broomstick and like a, I had a tambourine that I had some rubber bands and like some, you know, I like made this guitar. I was like, wow. oh, I made a guitar. I want to play guitar. And <laughs> That's she was so like, great. Wow. Okay. She just looked at me like, okay. And I think she actually like picked up an acoustic guitar somewhere. Just, you know, cheap thing. I don't even remember the brand and let me play around with that, you know, and that satisfied me for a minute. But what happened with nasty effects, those guys had this cover band with a bass player and he, his family moved to another state. And so they suddenly did not have a bass player. And uh, they were moping around school, and I, and I kind of was like, hey, what, what's up, you guys? And they're like, our bass player moved away. We don't have a bass player. I was like, oh, I play bass. I lied. <laughs> and then I went home, and I was like, Ma, what's a bass? I want to play bass. I'm going to play in this band. And uh, <laughs> she was an angel, and she took me to a pawn shop in Brooklyn. And we talked. she haggled this guy down. We, got, we wound up leaving there with, like, a... a I can't remember what kind of bass. It was a harmony bass, a harmony. Okay, yeah. And a Kalamazoo bass amp. And we got the, the whole package for like 100 bucks. Uh, wow. Yeah, my mom was badass. She that's, didn't haggle oh. anybody. <laughs> so, you know, it was just that amazing. is awesome. But that's what I started out on, this like harmony bass. And I took that and uh, got went back to the guys and said, yeah, I got, you know, the, what, what do I have to do? And they were like, hey, just learn learn some songs off of this record. And they gave me Kiss Alive 2. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, just, just learn yeah, this. It was great. It was great. I, I loved it. And I, and I figured out the bass lines pretty quickly. Wow. And, but, you know, Kiss songs, it's like three chords. Yeah. You know I mean? It's like four tops, you know. But anyway, so I, I that's how I got into playing bass. It's like, you know, Gene Simmons. Yeah, I can oh. do that. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And then we, I just learned the cover songs that they were playing, and that's that's what got me into it. And uh, we just happened to be doing that around the same time that some friends who were a bit older were, were playing nightclubs. And uh, we were like, hey, how do you get to play night? We want to play nightclubs, you know? Yeah, we're like course. little kids, mind you. <laughs> little kids. But we're just like, yeah, we want to play clubs. That sounds great, you know? <laughs> and they were like, well, first, you got to learn how to write your own songs. Oh. And uh, we thought, okay, cool, thanks. You know, like, we didn't realize they were totally dissing us. Right. You know? yeah. Whatever, kids. You yeah. Know? And we're like, cool, thanks. And we ran off and started trying to write songs. <laughs> yeah, Man. That's what happened. So when you joined, was that when the band switched from Pandemonium to Nasty Facts? No, for a little while. I, I, I can't remember exactly how long, but probably for at least a year we were at least a year playing parties and like we somehow got this gig a monthly gig going to 
was it Fire Island to some like oh, kids? Wow. Yeah, like a, some parents had set it up so that their kids had like a monthly dance party, and we were the band. They, they, they like, that's we, amazing. We get driven out by some one of our parents, and we go out and play. Yeah, we'd always stop at this like diner called the Peter Pan Diner. I never forget that. Oh. It's like, yeah, we're like rock stars. We're like eating at a diner <laughs> with a cup of food. A cover band called Pandemonium, you know. But you know, we were into it. That is great. Yeah, it's a so, great way to start. How did you guys come up with the name Nasty Facts? You know, someone else asked me that, and I wish I could remember. <laughs> I know that all of us were like you know, bringing names and like we're voting on names. And all I remember is that nasty facts beat it beat out the nasty infants. And I'm so glad <laughs> that, that it did. Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> the the yeah. EP might not be coming back out. If it was, <laughs> if that was your name. Seriously, right? Oh my God. But yeah. I don't remember who came up with that. Uh, but we all were like, yeah, that, that sounds great. We'll do that. So you guys start playing out at clubs eventually. How old are you at this point? And and I mean, what we, what what kind of clubs? Because I yeah. read that you guys were playing places like CBGBs, which is I was about to say that the first club I ever we ever played. Well, at least me. I don't think the guys had played anywhere else <laughs> either. But the first club was CBGBs. Wow. And, uh, and I was fifteen, sixteen. So that means the guys were like 14 because they were all younger than me. I was oh the oldest one in the band. So they were like 13, 14. Wow. Hitting those legendary clubs at such a young age. That, that's incredible. From uh, Max's Kansas City. They treated us so well as a bunch of little kids. They paid us when we played. They started putting us on as headliners. Oh, it wow. Crazy. Yeah, it was nuts. We'd be playing, and, and the opening act would be like twice our age, you know, looking Jeez. at us like, what the, you know, what the fuck? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Wow. So, at the, all right. So, you start playing, you know, Max's, uh, CBGB's. Are you still doing a lot of covers at this point? Or are you starting to work in no, some originals? No, no, no. By the time we started playing the clubs, we had taken our friend's advice, we had started writing songs. Wow. We had gone into a studio and, and put a demo out of the first batch of songs oh, we wow. tried to write, which were terrible, really bad, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Anyway, but those, that demo tape is what we shopped to clubs to try to get gigs. Okay. And uh, we did get those gigs. And then, and I really don't know how it happened, but uh, we connected with Jim Boko Records mm -hmm. and Ramon Dan who produced the, the original Nasty Facts. And uh, they got us into a studio and yeah, we recorded the EP. That, but um, man. That, was, that was a while into the journey. You know, we had been working on writing songs ever since those kids had told us we needed to go write our own song. Wow. Oh. And it was around that moment that punk rock exploded. And we're talking 1978, 1979. And uh, punk started happening, and we were inspired, and that's where the songs for the EP came after we had started listening to all these bands. I don't know the Ramones and the just the things that we were that were coming our way in New York, which was you know we could 
run around and go to ma and pop record stores and look for imports and buy yeah. records that way and just like listen to all the stuff that was coming out and the buzzcocks and yeah. all that stuff super inspired us you know uh the and, undertones for sure inspired us and new uh, york was like an epicenter for that yeah. stuff yeah like i said right place right time really yeah lucky, really lucky kids <laughs> all right so you guys are are out there playing these amazing clubs how long is a set i mean are, are you guys playing like 45 minute long sets or it's more of a punk yeah, yes. set? somewhere around 30 to 45 minutes wow yeah. And Man. we would throw a cover or two in for sure. You know, we would like maybe for an encore or whatever, but yeah, we were, we were writing songs, you know, we were, and I wasn't the only songwriter. The, the EP, the three songs on the EP are all my songs that okay. I wrote, but everyone in the band was trying. We were all trying to write songs. That's oh, just wow. the three songs that the producer picked, you know, the, these were the strong ones or whatever. And we were just like, okay, you know, <laughs> well, pretty much what we always did. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're kids, you know, you're teenagers. Yeah, exactly. We're like, let's go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like Mario, let's go. <laughs> yeah. So the songs on the EP, I, and, and to be honest, until, you know, Howard Wolfing had said, Hey, would you be interested in, in talking? I was, I wasn't familiar with the music. Sure. And when I listened to it, knowing where it came from and the time period, I had a preconceived idea of what it was going to sound like. Right, right. And I was totally wrong. <laughs> I, yeah. I was blown away by it. I mean, so there's Drive My Car, Crazy About You, and Get To You. Drive My Car starts off with sound, with like a, car sound effects ends with car sound effects it, it's amazing and i was expecting a great like especially vocally maybe like like gritty right. punk yelling right. shouting and there's right. none of that right. the, there's harmonies it's beautiful it, it's sung beautifully Yeah, you know, we, back in the day when punk started, there wasn't any, like, this is what punk sounds like. Right. Mold. So bands that were out of the norm, a little on the edge, or, or just not mainstream and had energy, and especially if you're a bunch of kids, like youth, we definitely went right into that. We just fell into that scene, the punk scene. And I don't yeah. even know that it was called the punk scene back then. It was just, this was what was happening yeah. in that moment. And uh, the bands that we got booked with were like-minded. I mean, although you'd probably be surprised that bands like ESG, I don't know if you know ESG, if they were from the Bronx. No. Um, we'd get booked with them. They were actually really funky. 
But oh, because really? they were funky in a different kind of way, they were a little, a little off and minimalist, and they got book, booked on punk shows. Um, we also okay. got booked with bands, like, and I think we got booked with them because they were other people of color. You know, there were they uh, were brown folks. They were, I believe, Puerto Rican. I, I think they were some of them family related. But anyway, okay. ESG, look them up. I will. Yeah, you know, they, they were great. They're still. I believe they're still playing. Believe it or not. Oh wow. Yeah, and we'd get booked with bands like The Stimulators because they had a drummer, Harley Flanagan, right, from the Chromats, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. He was their drummer, and he was like 11 at the time. So we'd get booked <laughs> with The Stims because they had another they had a kid in the band. So, yeah, wow. Double Bill, you know, Nasty Packs and Stimulators. We'd get booked with The Bad Brains because I'm black, you know what I mean? So Wow. <laughs> But, uh, you know, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I know. I got to open for the Bad Brains when I was like 16, something That's like that. 15. Amazing. Changed my life. I'd never seen anything like the Bad Brains. Oh. It blew my mind. They were so freaking energetic and yeah. so tight. Unbelievable. And, oh, just amazing. So, <laughs> and, and we were little kids, you know, you're just like, ah! Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, oh, Bad Brains were amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for real. I only got a chance to see them live once, but they opened up for Living Color, which was an amazing show. Yeah, oh, I'll bet that was. I'll bet that was. I know Vernon from back in those days. Oh, you know? I would. I was part of the Black Rock Coalition for a moment. And oh, really? Oh, cool. Started. Yeah. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. So. Th- you guys are playing some amazing gigs, some high profile people, especially in, in the, what became the punk scene. So, and I was looking things up and you guys were, you guys were being played on the BBC one on John Peel's programs, you know, but everything stopped in what? 81. Yeah. Right around the time I went off to college, you know, uh, yeah, life gets in the way, and we had been together at that point for like eight years or something. It was nuts. And, wow. uh, I know. It's so crazy to think about having been in a band for that long. It's like being in a relationship. It's like being married in, in this weird way when you're in a band. And uh, at the same time, we're going through puberty, adolescence. I mean, life is happening. You're trying yeah. to figure out who you are. Uh, but you're in the middle of New York, in the middle of a band, you're walking down the street, people are recognizing you on the street in New York, and you're like 16, it's kind of crazy, you know? And then on top of all that, I'm black, I was queer, I'm trans, I did not know, I didn't have the words or even understand what was happening in my head. Right. All of this is going on all at the same time. And then it's like, oh, college, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that in the mix. I, you know, why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, you know, so, <laughs> yeah, the band just kind of, we kind of grew apart and started living our, you know, adulting happens, right? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, we all went our separate ways. I think just about all of us are still musician working musicians you know so so tell me a little bit about your life after nasty facts because what i know is basically from what happened you know from your early life to nasty facts and then the ep is being re-released so there's a big gap in there what what else is going on i I know you've you've been very active yeah no i've i've been very blessed uh in life i and I mean, I can only tell you bits because I mean, 
because <laughs> that was 40 something years ago yeah. when I put that record out so it's i'm kind of gobsmacked that this is even happening and i'm doing these interviews about it but it's lovely and i'm totally down Good. um but <laughs> in the in the time after nasty facts i did everything i did so many things i feel like i've lived so many lives <laughs> i i wound up in living in la i told you i was a sound engineer i, I yes kind of got into audio as a hobby and later realized that oh people pay you to do this awesome yeah but i nice. wound up in hollywood working in the film industry doing post-production sound for horror movies oh, which wow. was hella fun a wow. lot of fun I, again right place right time my neighbor happened to work at a sound house i was like yeah i came here looking for work but i can't get any jobs she's like oh well i could maybe get you a job again with me <laughs> wound up working in the, in the studio that, that produced Spinal Tap before I got there. Like when I walked in <sighs> for my interview, the first thing I saw was a poster of Spinal Tap. I was like, oh my God, I want to work here. That is I one of my- I want to work here. That might be <laughs> my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> right? You know, it's way up there. It's <sighs> way up there on my list. Anyway, after a little bit of time in LA, which was fun and I learned a lot, I wound up in the Bay Area and- uh, I tried to be in bands. I was in, I did a lot of hip hop bands in the nineties and that was cool playing bass for hip hop. I, I've, I've played all types of music, so many different types of, I just love music and uh, I'm down for just about anything. If I can do it, I'll cool. try. So yeah, I did hip hop in the nineties. Then I decided that I wanted to just focus on my community, on the LGBTQ plus community. And so I started putting together trip hop acts that were queer and trans artists. And okay. that was a lot of fun, but I couldn't get any of those to really gel. Mm. So I wound up doing for about 10 years, I was the drag king of the blues. So I played the resonator guitar. I played slide <sighs> on the resonator and I would queer Delta blues. Like I would, write songs in that vein wow and i'd play like colleges and museums festivals wherever i could get paid right i would just do that right but i missed i mean it was a great and amazing experience i love life has been good to me but i really really missed being in bands you know and right, yeah. uh, about maybe three or four years ago i have a friend a dear friend who i've known for like 30 something years who's a mus musician out here and they had a band called the Homobiles. Okay. And uh, their drummer and a few other band members had just quit the band and they had a gig coming up in 10 days play opening for uh, a band called Pansy Division, a pretty known LGBT punk band. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is a big deal uh, gig. And I was like, Hey, you know, just because your drummer quit, you shouldn't give up that gig. Let me give me a tape. I'll learn your song. I'll play drums. Wow. Whatever. And so I did that. And it was so much fun that I became the replacement drummer in the homobiles. And I've been oh, playing sweet. drums for them ever since. And we have just recently, we've gone on a few tours since the end of the COVID thing. And that's a punk band. I'm playing drums in a punk band. <laughs> Meanwhile, in a month or two in February, I'm going to be 60. I'm having wow. the time of my life. I'm having, I'm living the dream. I'm having so much fun. Oh, that's great. And, you know, on top of that, I have my production company, which is called Queer Rebel Productions. Yes. We're at queerrebels.org. You can check out what we do. You can 
support queer and trans artists of color by buying a t-shirt or whatever, donating whatever, you know. What else? I, I like I said, I just had a gig last night. <laughs> yeah, which was a one-off. I played, uh, <laughs> I played bass in an R and B band doing holiday music with a children's choir. That was fascinating. <laughs> That's I'd never amazing. Like that before, and it was a lot of fun. It was beautiful. Wow, beautiful, great crowd. And a few months ago, I was playing bass in the pit band of a musical, a trans superhero rock opera oh my god the red shades the red shades and it's it's amazing sold out performances a lot of moving parts a big cast two directors two musical directors oh my gosh huge huge a lot of moving parts months of rehearsals uh totally worth it completely new experience for me but amazing community event you know man you are staying yeah, stay, crazy busy. Stay, it keeps me young, bro. So, keeps me young. <laughs> so how did the whole idea of remastering and re-releasing the Nasty Facts EP happen? You know, that's that's a really good question. I am not sure what happened. I had no idea that Nasty Facts had a shelf life. <laughs> I found out in my 40s that uh, I got I got a MySpace message, mind you. Oh, wow. From this, from this young black man. And he goes, hey, are you really the ex-lead singer of Nasty Facts? Because if you are, you changed my life. And oh, I wow. was kind of blown away. And I checked out who this guy was. And he's, his name is Brontes Purnell. He was in a band called uh, The Younger Lovers. He was in another band called Gravy Train. Anyway, young, gay, punk rocker, author, dancer, uber talented guy who is kind of a queer punk icon. Like we love him. Okay. Amazing. And so now we're, we're dear friends. I love him so much, but it was because of him that I found out that nasty facts that people even knew about us. I didn't, (laughs) I had no idea. Life had gone on. Wow. I I had just been living my life. You know? It's incredible. And now this is happening. And then the reissue just, I, I found out that I am Afropunk OG uh, because I was a punk rocker in 78. Okay, yeah. so there you go. Def- by, by default. default. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, but this, I really was not expecting to see a reissue happen. So this just kind of came out of the blue. And I was still friend. I'm friends on Facebook with all of Nasty Facts and with Jim Reynolds from Jim Boko Records. Oh, awesome! He reached out and said, "Hey, we're going to reissue the, the EP, and you know, we want to hook you up and whatever." So let's, you know, so we just started talking. Next thing I knew, they were sending me the EP and a box of T-shirts and poster and that's and incredible. then interviews and yeah. I mean, because I'm, I'm looking up the original EP right now and on yeah. Discogs. They start at ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah, it's crazy, right? That's unbelievable. I got a message from Brad, who was in Nasty Facts years and years and years ago, and he was like, "Yeah, uh, one of our one of the EP just sold for four hundred bucks somewhere." <laughs> Jeez, bizarre. Yeah, so bizarre. Oh, okay. So that makes let's, let me take a look here. Yeah, the cheapest one is like is a hundred bucks. That's and. That's- and yeah, it's a hundred bucks here. Then you, it goes up to, uh, let's see, 
I'm still going. It's 325. The, uh, it's insane. And then if you go European, it's even more. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> I suppose it's possible that Jim found out about all this and was like, hey, why don't we reissue this? If people are going to spend that kind of money, maybe they want it, you know, not make, spend that kind of money. Yeah. Make it available for the people who want it, but can't afford an original copy. Yeah, you know, I don't even have an original copy. It's oh, wow. Yeah, right? You know, I gave them away all the time. Like, and the thing is, so I listened to it. I com I kind of I compared the the new remastered version to the ones that they had put on YouTube years and years ago, and it's it's like night and day. It's so much clearer. It sounds so much better. They did a great job, uh, yeah, with the reissue. I'm, I'm very proud of it, and um, yeah, it sounds great. It looks great. The... Uh, Vinyl, the uh, mixed color vinyl uh, edition. I don't know how many of those they pressed, but it looks really cool. It's like a 12 inch. It's really cool looking, you know. That is awesome. One of the things that really blew me away, going back to talking about how uh, I, it, it defied my expectations completely. Mm, the, right. the musicianship is incredible. I mean, the, the, you know, we talked about your vocals, but the, the, and those are fantastic, but there's well, guitar solos on there and particularly right. the guitar solo yeah. on get to you. I yeah. mean, yeah. that's, I mean, I don't care how old the person was playing the guitar, it, you know, 15 right. or right. 50. It's an incredible guitar solo. Brad was the youngest in the band. There was a moment where I swear we were playing clubs and he was like 11, 12. <laughs> crazy. But Brad was the kind of, he's the kind of guy and he's still a working musician. I believe he used to play, he played with Chuck D for a while. He's still oh, working. Cool. He's yeah, Brad, Brad's badass. But uh, he, he's the kind of guy that can pick up just about any instrument from my recollection, any instrument and play it. And uh, you know, I, I myself play guitar, bass and drums. But, you know, he was like way ahead, way back then. Wow. So, yeah, he's super talented. And we were all pretty blessed. You know, we were all pretty, uh, yeah, we could play, you know. Oh, but yeah. the other thing is that we rehearsed a lot. We spent summertime where everyone else is, I don't know what you do, go to the beach or whatever right. kids do. All we did was hang out in Genji's basement where his parents would let us play all day. As they knew where we were, they knew we weren't in trouble, and we would just play every day, yo. Know? And we'd you know come outside to smoke a cigarette because we were smoking back in the right. day <laughs> and drinking. It was pretty funny, uh, but uh, I'm not funny. But that was life in New that York was... in 1978. Exactly. Uh, but we'd come outside, and kids from the neighborhood would be like sitting on the porch, like listening to us, you know, because they could hear us through the building. And uh, yeah, I mean. You know, we didn't think much of it, but I guess people liked us, you know. There's my understanding from reading some of the press and, and some 
interviews and, and there's a lot more original work that you guys wrote. Was it recorded? And right. is it there a possibility of a full length EP at some point? See, unfortunately, no. The only time that Nasty Facts in that with that lineup recorded was this EP. Um, oh, okay. There may be some bootlegs from clubs, shows, and stuff, but I don't have any of that stuff. Okay. Except for like one cassette tape, which I don't know if it could be, you know, yeah. made to sound <laughs> anything more than like a cassette tape from 1979. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I know the guys tried to get me in on uh, recording with them again. I would think it was in the 90s, and I was really busy. I was doing hip-hop. I had no idea that Nasty Facts had a shelf life. <laughs> I just was, I was in California. I was like, nah, I'm not interested. I, I didn't do it, but they did. They recorded with Ramona Jan, who had produced the first uh, Nasty Facts, and that is a single that's out. I haven't heard it myself, but right. I know they did it and called it Nasty Facts, but it, I, I wasn't involved in any way. In that okay, place. so that that's that all around the world? Right, that, right, right, right. Okay. Right. That one's yeah. not as uh, not as collectible, apparently. I, I haven't I haven't heard that <laughs> one. I, gotta, I should give it a listen. I just, life, I'm always running around, man. I'm just- You, I, you got you know? so much going on all the time, it sounds like. I try to the New Yorker in me. I've lived in, in California for like 30 something years, but I still am like, I mean, uh, people are like, I, I can't keep up with you. What the, so, even when I'm drumming, I was like, slow down. It's hilarious. And I'm going to be 60. I'm like, whatever guys. Come Man, on. it's the New York in you. You're right. You know, seriously. Hey, we came up in the nightclubs as teenagers. We were running around. Playing loud music, I've never, you know, that's not left me. That is awesome. So is there any possibility of a Nasty Facts reunion with this re-release? You know, I, I haven't talked to the guys about that kind of thing. And again, I'm in California. They're all still in New York, you know? Yeah. So, And I'm in a working band, The Homemobiles, which you should check out on Bandcamp. Yeah. Or check us out if we come to a town near you or New York City or whatever. But... um you know, I'm I'm pretty busy with just with the homobiles, but then I keep getting all these little side gigs because you know the, the hustle is real. So, and if you're and love, good, you're in demand. Hey, I love it. I'm, I just I love playing. Like I said, I'll play any kind of music. I played everything from punk to soca to jazz. I've been in reggae bands. I've done a lot of. I just love playing, and I, my parents blessed me with that ability. You know what I mean? So. Well, I'm not gonna squander it. I'm gonna play. Yeah, exactly. Well, you can't. You can't. I mean, it's, yeah. it, it's even if you wanted to. I don't think you you could. It doesn't sound like no, you'd be I mean, able I to. I get depressed if I'm not playing. That's why I did the solo act. In it, you know, for ten years, I was like, I have to gig. Yeah. What the hell, you know. <laughs> How can people follow you and, and and what you're up to? Nasty facts and everything else. What's what's a good way to to keep up with your yeah. performances? I, I'm pretty sure there's a nasty facts band camp and. You know, there's a, a Facebook group for Nasty Facts as well. Okay. And uh, with me in general, you can find me with the Homobiles, H-O-M-O-B-I-L-E-S, the Homobiles, the band, not the ride service. That's a long story. I can <laughs> get into the, yeah. uh, And you can find me at queerrebels.org uh, as well. So I go by, my name is KB. I changed my name. 
I'm trans masculine and proud of it. In fact, everyone in the homobiles were all trans musicians and, oh, and wow. actually were kind of punk icons in weird ways. Like the lead singer is Lenny Breedlove from a band called Tribe Eight way back in the day. They were oh, uh, wow. all women uh, punk band. I call them the grandmas of queer <laughs> punk, you know, but Lenny now is trans masculine as well and uses he pronouns. And Okay. Yuri, who is our guitarist, uh, used to play with uh, the Shondas, and uh, we just got a new bassist, and uh, it's it's a working band. We stay busy. We're working on new music and recording, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that's awesome. And the best way to get the re-release, would that be through the, uh, the website or Bandcamp? Or... I think that through the Bandcamp and perhaps through the Facebook group. And I, I should find, I should have known that before I started talking to you, but I hadn't, <laughs> hadn't even uh, thought about purchasing it because they sent it to me. So. Right, well, it, you know, but yeah, that happens. Yeah. yeah. But if you look up nasty facts, by the way, one word, nasty facts, all one word. Yeah. You'll be able to find it. Yeah. Not a whole lot of, of, of nasty facts bands out there. No, 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 I guess not. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I love this EP. I was just so surprised by it. And I'm, and I'm in the best way possible. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted that Howard got this all set up. Thank you for spending all this time with me and, and talking about this really cool EP. That I, I think everybody's got to go check this out because it, if when you hear, you know, late seventies, New York punk, you're going to be completely surprised. It's not what you're thinking. Hey, you know, thanks. I really appreciate all of the love. It's, it's, it's very cool. That's very cool. We, yeah, we were not your average, uh, you know, we weren't your cookie cutter punk band. We were no. just a bunch of kids. We were just a bunch of kids and just let it all out and having a good time. You know? Yeah. It makes me wish you guys had recorded those, the rest of those songs too. Hey, thank you. That's <laughs> flattering, you know? That's that's really cool. Oh, It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 